0: To another episode of the Pacific Current podcast, I'm Jenica K,
1: and this is Andrew T. Joining us on the show today, we have Hawaiian language and cultural enthusiast slash entrepreneur Ka'iulani Kawiho, from Makaha.
2: Aloha, <laughs> welcome <laughs> to the
1: show. Thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and some of the projects that you're working
2: on? Sure. A little bit about myself is always the most least fun question. So I'm glad we got that one out of the way. Um, <laughs> I, I really love teaching. So I got a teaching degree and I really love Hawaiian language. So I got a Hawaiian language degree and I began teaching Hawaiian language. And then I realized I didn't love teaching so much.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I found some other things to do with the skills I acquired. And I love doing business, and I got a certificate in entrepreneurship from BYU, and throughout the time, I just did different translation projects, and eventually it led me to a project that I'm really passionate about, which is Hawaiian Legends, and I founded a non-profit that translates legends from the Hawaiian language newspapers into English books, but we also have them in Hawaiian, Chinese, Japanese, and Korean. Oh that's so cool. So that we can perpetuate Hawaii's awesome legends and spread Hawaiian awesomeness all over the world.
1: (laughs) So what got you interested in that project in particular?
2: It started when I left my teaching job with the DOE and was hired through Kaala Farms as their curriculum developer. I was asked to buy Hawaiian culture books for their library. And I found that there was a lack in authentic cultural material. Mm. I knew through my research in my master's program that the Hawaiian language newspapers were filled with amazing, incredible, long Hawaiian legends that I felt taught a Hawaiian ideal, Hawaiian perspective, Hawaiian values and everything the kids needed to know instead of just books about. Blue dolphin that ate a crab on Waikiki <laughs> Beach and <laughs> that said like hello to the <laughs> tourists in the canoe. You know, <laughs> those types of books are not really helping our people and our keiki to learn what it really meant to be Hawaiian. So uh, I founded a nonprofit organization and decided that we would research legends and and translate them and publish them so that everyone could
0: have access to them. Nice. How long have you been doing this now? We founded the company in 2011. Oh, nice! Oh. Mm-hmm. And how many how many legends
2: have you translated? So we do it district by district. The first district we did was Waianai because mm-hmm. that is the district that I'm from. So... Oh, hmm <laughs> <laughs> I had already researched all the legends, as uh, many legends that I could find as a part of my master's thesis so now Mm -hmm. it was just about getting a group together to help decide which legends needed to be told there's all the maui legends and the Mm -hmm. Kamapuaa legends but those are really well known so we tried to pick some that weren't so well known Mm -hmm. and that helped us to learn more about different features of the aina or different sacred sites and so we just kind of started that way. And so once we narrowed it down to eight legends, then we were, you know, thinking, how are we gonna do the pictures for the mm, books? Mm-hmm. Because I can't draw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also not a very good photographer, so it's like, you know, let's make everyone else do it. <laughs> good idea. Great idea. <laughs> but it turned into such a great community collaboration because we. We chose eight legends, so we had eight Hawaiian photographers from the Waianae district volunteer their time and their talent to do all the photography for the pictures that would be the illustrations of the books. And then we found about a hundred Hawaiian models from Waianae who are either residing there or had grown up there Mm -hmm. to reenact all of the legends on location as close to the original story as possible as it was recorded in the newspaper. And then we had Hawaiian makeup artists do all of the makeup for, you know, we had lizards and mm-hmm. owls and mm-hmm. all kinds of fun features. We had Hawaiian seamstress. From I do all the sewing and we had Hawaiian graphic designers and Hawaiian book designers, Hawaiian translators. And it was just an awesome coming together of community to have the community tell their own story as opposed to having someone else telling our stories. And that's so cool.
0: How many people does that add up to? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was under 200.
0: It's <laughs> a lot a of lot. moving parts <laughs> yeah. to coordinate and the time frame on that. It took us a little over a
2: year. <sighs> mm-hmm.
1: Just for that one moku. Just for one? the one moku. Yeah. Okay. And so you guys have gone around to how many
2: now? So we're we're only mm-hmm. halfway through our second moku. Oh okay, okay. Yeah. Because after we did the books the first series, mm-hmm. which is called the Ka'ena Aloha series, and currently Kamehameha Publishing distributes those for us. Then we kind of went into sales and marketing to get those books yeah. out. So every library in the state has it. Every kukuna program um, in the state for the d mm-hmm. programs. program. Kamehameha School has bought up about a third of our inventory. Wow. And then families, you know, there are so many people involved in the project that all yeah, the families all wanted, included. you know, for sure. copies. So and then we went, Ko'olaloa was the next district to invite us in. Oh,
3: cool.
2: And the Atherton Family Foundation gave us a grant to to actually help to pay the photographers this time. Mm-hmm. So it was really awesome. But the money that we make from sales, a big portion of it goes back to the people who are involved in the project.
3: Mm-hmm. They can
2: use it for college scholarship kind of things, or if they want to be in a sport, or if a kupuna wants to take a laymaking mm-hmm. class, anything that makes you more awesome as a Hawaiian, you can apply for that scholarship
0: cool a Hawaiian awesomeness scholarship yeah
1: <laughs> 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 that's cool so so you said people are inviting you into their district
2: right that's so Ko'olau Poco wanted us to come first <laughs> <laughs> but we got the money to do Koolau Loa so we did that side first and also um, a group from Nava'eha on Maui wanted oh, us yeah. to go some of the Ohana from Kalaupapa want us to go and mm, do for their stories so. and maybe Just- use Hawaiians whose families were sent to Mm Kalaupapa to reenact stories and you know a lot of the kiki from Molokai so those are all in the works but you know it's a big project so definitely
0: does it feel like it's getting bigger this next time around um it doesn't feel like it's getting bigger every district is so
2: different and Mm -hmm. their their skills and talents and styles as a district Mm-hmm. it's different but I like doing it I love it it's it's wonderful but I would even be fine just to have this system you know have someone take it mm-hmm. into their district mm-hmm. and do it themselves mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. long as the stories are told and perpetuated mm-hmm. and the mo'olelo don't disappear mm-hmm. that's all that matters so mm-hmm. I don't care who does it so if anyone out there <laughs> <laughs> would like my uh, business plan and my
0: game plan and <laughs> please come let me know that would be a cool I guess thesis or a cool college project to work on too even high school yeah, yeah like that yeah, would be a really yeah. cool yeah. Um, thing to do collaborate on and one of the things
1: that you've been really good at is reaching out to people and connecting with people how do you how are you able to like navigate
3: your way through? oh
2: it's in Hawaii, it's all about connections. Yeah. So every time we even think about a, a doing this project in a different moku, we have to see if the resources are there. It's like just for the models, we need about a hundred at least. Mm-hmm. and that's what some of the models doing multiple books Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know if we were to have just each model just doing one book we need over 200 wow yeah so then we're calling aunties uncles thinking you know we make maps right of okay all the Hawaiian looking (laughs) Hawaiians (laughs) so our last project in Ko'olaoloa was really interesting because we were like where are the Hawaiians (laughs)
1: good question (laughs) they're in Vegas
2: yeah (laughs) I mean there's a lot in Kahana they're really strong Hawaiian in Kahana um, and Haula, and then in La'i'e and Kahuku, it started to get a little more interesting where we'd meet we meet someone and we'd be like, hey, are you Hawaiian? And they'd be like, no, I'm Samoan. And it's like, mm. but your grandma's last name is Kealoha. <laughs> 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 and then, you know, so some of them were like, oh, yeah, I I, I guess I am. <laughs> 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 so just really starting with families. And another thing we like to do is, especially because we're working with grants as a nonprofit, it involved a lot of the different community partners that we can. So all the schools, we contact all the schools, we try to, See if they can recommend kids to be in it with us. The civic clubs, we reach out to them. The businesses, you know, because we like to feed our models. Like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, Tita's Grill, can you oh, yeah. send some <laughs> fries to us? <laughs> <laughs> but everyone's so um, so supportive of what we're doing. And because it's something new for a lot of the kids to be involved into. Like something amazing that came out of it that I wasn't expecting to come out of it was how much the boys really enjoyed learning how to tie a malo. Even though at first you have to coax them out of the dressing room, like, Mm -hmm. it's okay, (laughs) there's 20 other boys in malos, (laughs) you know, and this is your culture. But once they get out and they're in their malo, it's such that they're not used to it. I mean, there's a lot more boys who are used to it now. They really just have this sense of pride about it. And they walk around with their malos. At, at the end of the photo shoot, they don't want to take their malo off. They want to go swim in the ocean with their <laughs> malo. They I want not. to do everything. They're hanging off the back of a truck in a malo, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it was, it was just amazing to, to see how many of them really had that sense of pride that they could tie a malo and they could wear a malo and they could feel that connection to their ancestors.
1: Very cool. Yeah. And so some of the stories that you tell through these books. Like what kind of what's a good example of a story that you that you were uh, that you appreciated learning about as you dug through these newspapers
3: and learned about?
2: Mm. I have done so many of these stories now, but I guess I want to share a hiiaka story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For the company that I do curriculum development with now, it's a financial education company. And one of the ideas that we wanted to help people, I guess, acquire is that the ideas of credit, debt, finances, it's not a new idea to us. It's not a Western idea. It's not something that we don't have ownership of. And so I was looking for... A story on debt. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know where to start, right? It's so Hawaiian newspapers, everything's Hawaiian, and I'm looking for a story on debt. <laughs> you know, at one point there were there was like almost hundred and fifty newspapers being published in Hawaii. Wow. Wow. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that. Like right now we have one. <laughs> That's Very, great, you, you. <laughs> we barely have one newspaper. And at one point we had over a hundred newspapers coming out of Hawaii. Mm. Once the Hawaiians could read and write, once they learned how to read and write, we were one of the most literate nations, nations in the work. world. In the world. That means every single man, woman, child could read and write. And that's just incredible. And so there's so much. It's it's the biggest library of Hawaiian knowledge. And it's all in Hawaiian. So I'm like, I know there's debt in there. I just know I can find <laughs> debt. And so I did. I came across this this mo'olalo about Hiiaka when she's heading out to Kauai to find her sister's lover, Lohiao. They made a stop in Kailua, and they saw a house um, up off the beach, and so they went to the house, and in it lived Ka'anahau, who was known as the most handsome man in Kailua. And he invited them in to eat, and they declined. Hiiaka let him know that she only ate luau, so she wasn't going to eat, but he let them sleep there, and... As the night fell, <laughs> he realized that he was pretty interested in Hi'iaka. And she was a beautiful woman. And being the opportunist that he was, <laughs> as a Native Hawaiian man, <laughs> he, um, he recognized that all she wanted was lua leaf. So he went out and harvested every single lua leaf from every taro patch in Kailua rolled them up into little bundles, cooked them over the fire, and had breakfast ready for her when she woke up. So when she woke up, he started to feed her, and she was appreciative, and he kept feeding her, and she appreciated that too, and complimented his luau, and he kept feeding her, feeding her, feeding her, until so she was like, okay, that's enough. You know, I'm grateful for all this luau now. Tell me what I need to do to pay you back. And he said, all I want is your body. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a Hawaiian boy. So <laughs> she offered one of her attendants, you know, hey, this this lady's good. Or mm-hmm. how about this one? And he declined. And he's like, no, nope, just you. So she stayed to pay the debt. And it was called the luau debt. And it was the first, mm-hmm. I don't know, the first time that I had ever seen the word debt mm-hmm. anywhere in the Hawaiian newspapers. And that mo'olelo of hi'iaka goes back hundreds of years so for me it was big because I was like yes I found you know this this missing piece you know we can no longer say that these concepts are foreign to us there are concepts we know about debt Some of us probably put our husbands in debt to us, you uh, know. I don't <laughs> want to mention any <laughs> um, We find creative ways to pay off debt, <laughs> 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 um, but debt is ours. It is something Hawaiian. It's not a foreign concept. We can't say that we're no good at it because because it's not ours because it's Western. And the same thing with credit. We have mo'olalo's on credit and budgeting. I mean, mm-hmm. everything, planning, mm-hmm. you know, utilizing your resources. So that was, it just, it really helped a lot of people that we were working with take ownership for their own finances and um, feeling like these concepts do belong to them. It wasn't something that they felt alienated by anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was a, that was a big thing for us.
1: You mentioned ownership a couple of times. Is yeah. that something that people struggle with saying, oh, okay, it is on my shoulders to mm. do this or it is my burden to take care of these things?
2: I think for a long time, we will say, oh, that's a Western thing. Mm. You know, even in the education system, when I was teaching, there's always a test question about squirrels, right? (laughs) Always. right? And our whole thing is like, we we don't have squirrels. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, not wanting to claim squirrels as ours because we don't have squirrels, you know? Why should we be tested on squirrels? We don't have squirrels. (laughs) But then I read the Hawaiian newspapers, and there are stories upon stories upon, like, like whole newspapers dedicated to animals every single month was a new animal Mm -hmm. because every the world had opened up to them Mm -hmm. they learned how to read and write the missionaries came here and you know and then the sailors the whalers came and so there was all this travel and this movement and the world got so much bigger not saying that they didn't know that the world was big because they knew Mm -hmm. They were well aware they could navigate the Pacific Ocean. When Captain Cook went to Tahiti and picked up that Tahitian navigator, he drew a map for Captain Cook with every single island in the whole Pacific Ocean. He knew every island. That's incredible, you know? And so once this world opened up, a lot of Hawaiians started to travel and they would write back from their travels. So every single travel, like they would write about this animal that looks like a horse But it's a little smaller and it has black and white stripes. It's amazing. (laughs) You know, no one's ever seen a zebra, but the whole world, they claimed it. And so we need to do the same. We need to claim all of the amazing, important knowledge that the world has to offer and make it ours again so that we can increase our own awesomeness.
1: I'm thinking back right now. I
0: know. I'm like, already is. feeling a little more awesome. I'm not going to lie. I feel ownership. I do. But do you, I mean, do you see that impact or what is the impact you see when you share this mo'olelo either through the young kids or through the adults? What, is the, what are some examples of something you've mm. seen? So
2: right now, I run the youth entrepreneurship program for Queen Miguel Kalani. Children's Center, well, now they're Liliuokalani Kalani Trust. They're, they just rebranded. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been incredible. It's been so amazing. We've been having Hawaiian entrepreneurs come in and talk about different aspects of business. So my mother, Delani Tanahi, was one of the first entrepreneurs that we hosted. She runs a business called Kapa Hawaii. But we had her talk about being a Kapa employee versus mm-hmm. being a Kapa entrepreneur because she Mm. started off with Ka'ala Farms teaching kappa classes. Mm -hmm. So for a long time, she was a kappa employee. And then Mm -hmm. she decided to go off on her own and do classes and and really create a business out of her art. And so now she's a kappa entrepreneur. And what the pros and cons of that was, Mm -hmm. you know, what the benefits and the risks were. Positives and the negatives, the ups and downs, good, bad, and ugly. And so it's just so empowering for the kids. And so when they hear about even our culture being brought into this entrepreneurship world right it's very empowering for them you know we when we tell these kinds of stories they believe it which is part of the confidence building which is what we're trying to do and that's that's what we found with working with a lot of Hawaiians who have ideas and who want to do businesses or want to do podcasts or want (laughs) to do (laughs) any kind of awesome thing is that they want to know that they are awesome that validation that mm-hmm. I have I have awesome lineage centuries back, you know? And once they can feel that, okay, I, I have something that's worth. I mean, here in Hawaii, we're so special. We really are. You go anywhere else out of Hawaii, like, oh, what, what are you? I'm Hawaiian. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're Hawaiian. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's like celebrity status really quickly. <laughs> and and so these stories help us as a foundation where we can stand we can stand on top of the shoulders of our kupuna and that's where our confidence is built like okay they traveled the Pacific survived they built taro patches fish ponds I mean they had the best kappa in all of Polynesia I know some of the Polynesians listening might fight me on that but <laughs> you know we, we can talk about that later you know some of the most beautiful featherwork, some of the most beautiful mm-hmm. weaving like everything they did they did it 100% and it was bomb it was perfect it was it had to be perfect for the Ali you know and everything was they did everything with such detail with precision and skill and they were focused and dedicated to it I mean they were entrepreneurs themselves and so you know once they have that that warm good feeling inside that I come from good people I come from talented amazing intelligent incredible innovative people that's the
0: that's the first stepping stone right there. Mm-hmm. And after that everything else just flies by. And I can only imagine the the young kids now too, you know, on the Waianae coast just when that bulb just mm-hmm. turns on, you know, and they realize right. how much they have to offer.
1: And you've got some kids of your own is are these things that you're <laughs> starting to push your kids towards like, Hey, look, you gotta pay attention. This is
3: <laughs>
2: I do. It's funny. Some of the conversations I have with them about money, and yeah. you know, when they have an idea, I'm like, that's a great idea. How can we monetize it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and how often can we? they're
2: swear, three and five you. fantastic <laughs> I swear, I this conversation <laughs> you know how can yeah. you use your skills and your talents and everything that your kupuna left behind from you to support yourself and your family and to help others mm-hmm. that's really what it's about
1: we had this discussion the other day and in hawaii i think it's kind of unique because for me there's like really like three classes of business for hawaii and for hawaiians it's mm-hmm. Businesses that take money from outside of Hawaii and bring it into Hawaii, mm-hmm. and then there's businesses that circulate the money within Hawaii, and then there's businesses that take money from hawaiians and export it out to somebody else who's who's benefiting off of the authentic Hawaiian experience.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if if we're able to educate our kids, the community, and how to bring money into the community, then it'll. Hopefully, more of those businesses will start to come and like, through programs like the entrepreneurship program at QOCC. I think that's the hope is to get that going and bring money into the community rather than taking it out.
2: Right. So one of the tasks that we were given from Lilio Kalani Trust, one of their main focuses right now is stamping out poverty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was a hard one. I mean, we struggled with it, my business partner and I, for a while. Like stamp out poverty. Like poverty is so generational here mm-hmm. in Hawaii, mm-hmm. and almost everyone is about at the poverty level, like just
0: tiptoeing above the poverty line. if now, not under the poverty level in Hawaii.
1: Oh, I don't, I don't know. But I was, I was telling Jenica too. Like we have the highest rate of homelessness, mm-hmm. but we have like by far the lowest unemployment rate. How is that possible? I like, know. how is everybody so working mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. nobody can afford to survive?
0: something around 40,000, like, you can't even live on that. On know. the mainland, that's like... Wages. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: yeah. So, so, wow. so one of the things that we're
2: thinking is, like, with anything else, when you try to get rid of a habit, mm-hmm. right, you yeah. have to replace it with something else. Mm-hmm. So one idea that we had was that maybe we could stamp out poverty with entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so looking at, even at the smallest level, selling ice cakes at your mm-hmm. house, that's another income stream mm-hmm. that can support you. And so for a lot of people looking at, well, for us, at school, we didn't learn the word entrepreneurship. Yeah, I went to Kuma <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the other schools had it, but we didn't have it at that time. I didn't learn it until a lot later. And I feel mm-hmm. like if it was an option for me growing up, that probably would have been the route that I went to. But for a lot of people, the word entrepreneurship sounds scary. It sounds big. It sounds mm-hmm. so yeah. huge that you can't big. even wrap your head around mm-hmm. it. And we're like, sell ice cakes out of your house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but just starting somewhere and, um, and it's been amazing with the people that we've helped to start. Small businesses, whether it's um, beef jerky, someone started a beef jerky business, mm-hmm. bringing in an extra $2,000 into your family is huge, mm-hmm. you know, but replacing that idea that I have to stay beho- below this line or I lose mm-hmm. this benefit, you know, mm-hmm. this assistance, this support, this partner, I lose all these things. And thinking about all the things you lose if you make money. Mm-hmm. And helping people say, Okay, it's scary because when you work a job, it's usually you'll find a job that'll help you get just above that line, mm-hmm. but still but not I mean, enough. Not enough to give you any peace of mind at night. Mm-hmm. Not enough to make you feel like you're doing okay or mm-hmm. you're not eating Simon every night. Mm-hmm. You know, so just introducing that topic has been it's been pretty amazing for us. I mean, we love it. The Hawaiians were innovative entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. they were risk takers and they did business Mm -hmm. that's what an entrepreneur is and so trying to replace that mentality um it's one of our goals but it's been an amazing process I guess (laughs) yeah
0: yeah I think service related businesses too are so good to look into because there's such there's like almost no overhead. Like mm-hmm. if you just give massages or if you're like a dog walker, I feel like there's so many like little things. I'm always on Yelp, like looking for some like person who does something, like specializes in mm-hmm. something. So maybe there's a talent or something that you learned growing up. And then being able to offer that as a service um, can bring in that extra money. Right. I mean, and now with
2: the age of technology, there are so many, tools and resources that are available to us mm-hmm. like Amazon. You can sell things from Alibaba yeah. on Amazon yeah. and you never see the product.
0: Yeah. Ever. Mm-hmm.
2: It goes straight to EA. your people. <laughs> exactly. that's the, that's you know, so magic. there's so many opportunity, and what our people need are just the confidence and the mm-hmm. knowledge and the tools yeah. and, and they can do anything. So... Yeah.
1: Do you feel like people have a hard time because the cost of operation here is higher is that like a a block for people
2: i don't really feel like it is i mean there's just a lot of blocks to doing business period Period. right you know and once you start to realize that there are solutions to every single block you have then there are really no blocks because there always be someone going oh no you just do it like this or just do this (laughs) or just buy stuff from Alibaba and sell it on Amazon and there's no cost of operation except the computer that you're using. Put your own label on top of everything. Exactly, right, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, the opportunities are endless and there are no blocks. (laughs) It's just the matrix.
1: (laughs) Wow, so you've had a wide range of things that you've done. How did you end up in this uh, entrepreneurship
2: Huh. Mm.
1: The old, I guess.
2: I don't know. I found out through some different business ventures that I did that I actually like doing business. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've acquired a lot of skills, but I've realized that the skill I love most is creation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I love to create, so that's why I think I love curriculum development.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I love to create new ideas. I love finding solutions to things. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite thing. So naturally, I fell into business because of that, yes. because I like to find solutions. And then if I can make tons of money off of my <laughs> solutions,
3: <laughs>
2: <bonus>. <laughs> so my nonprofit, I love it, you know, because I get to do what I'm passionate about. And the money that I make, I get to help other people to be more awesome. But then, of course, I I have my own for-profit business,
0: which is where I focus on sustaining myself really so are you living the life that you want to live like is this like at this moment is this kind of it for you I mean I'm sure that there's things that you want to do but like what is the dream picture for you the dream picture
2: as you probably know like entrepreneurs they don't sleep because there's so many ideas running through their head (laughs) and I so I can't really say like my dream picture would be All of my dreams have come true because there's about 40,000 of them. Mm. Um, (laughs) But am I happy with where I am? I really am. I I really love working with people. I love wrestling problems and helping people change their perspective on things Mm. to help them to move forward. And I guess like you could say removing blocks Mm -hmm. is a good way of seeing it. I've done a lot of things and I think it's because of the way I was raised my parents never I mean they supported everything I did you know it was their language right oh if Ka'iu says she's gonna do it she's gonna do it <laughs> but I don't know if they meant that you know sarcastically or jokingly but those words it actually it helped me it helped me to do anything so one example uh, its really funny When I was in the entrepreneurship program at BYU, there was an app development class. And so, you know, apps are cool. I took the Mm -hmm. class. I didn't have a smartphone. (laughs) 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 But I developed an app that I thought was really great, and I won the app contest. So I won like $2,000 at Best Buy, and the company that sponsored it um, developed my app. And so it was really amazing because I... I had no blocks because I didn't even know what apps could do because I didn't didn't have a smartphone. (laughs) And you know, my brother, any of you know him, um, he was kind of just shocked, right? He's like, how could you win an app contest? You, you don't even know how to use a smartphone. You don't have a smartphone and you, you don't even know what you're doing. And I was like, exactly. Like I have no blocks around me. Mm -hmm. I have no blocks. Not, nothing's limiting my ideas because I, I'm i not going oh I don't know I don't think this could happen or I don't you know I would ask him like could I do this on my phone and he would be like this is not Hogwarts you know like <laughs> 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 and I'm like I don't know you know yeah. what's an operating system like I don't really understand anyway don't, don't talk to me I'm going to build my app <laughs> but just getting out there just doing it just believing in yourself and surrounding yourself with people who believe in you sometimes it's hard to find those people even in your mm-hmm. own family But that's a big thing. And so working with the kids, that's what they needed me to be. Mm -hmm. They didn't need need me to be someone vomiting up some curriculum to Mm -hmm. them every day. Mm -hmm. They just needed me to be someone believing in them. And they could learn anything on their own. They didn't need me. And so it's the same with the families we work with with financial education. They just need someone to believe in them and say, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to do, I'm going to help you. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to be here. We're going to do this together. And that's why I think networking is so big in Hawai'i. Because once you realize what you need or what your next step is going to be or something scary that you're not familiar with, there's always someone you can find, especially on Facebook, right? Who's going through the exact same thing that you're trying to do. And you can reach out to them and say, Hey, I am I got this idea. I'm thinking about doing this. And, you know, can you hold my hand, basically? Can you help me along? It's like, yes. And that's why... I love Hawaii because we support each other and when mm-hmm. there's Hawaiians that want to do awesome stuff,
0: we're like, Yes, please, more awesome Hawaiians <laughs> doing awesome stuff. <laughs> that would just be great. <laughs> so it sounds like you just really keep yourself open to opportunities. Like you never limit yourself. Like you're you're just open to opportunities in business with mm-hmm. other people. I think that's so great to like just open yourself up, you know, and not mm-hmm. limit yourself. Who are some of the people who have been your cheerleaders or who have held your hand and got you Mm. to where you are that now you can be (laughs) the coach and the motivator? Definitely my family.
2: They're very positive. My parents support any crazy idea that I have. And I, I like positive energy. So I try to surround myself with friends and family who believe in me and who are always asking me what are you working on (laughs) can I be a part of it I'm like yes (laughs) I have a job for you (laughs) you don't know it but I was manifesting you this whole time (laughs) but being with people who who like that who like to move who like to do who like to I mean on the west side doing the the book project it was just incredible because people came out of nowhere to support us like oh my gosh, this legend has a canoe in it. Where are we going to get a canoe? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, there were boys down at Makaha who owned canoes, and they let us use the canoes. And Leeward Kai, for another shoot, they let us use their canoes. We had schools let us use capes and ali'i attire, and there were uncles who let us use their fishnets, and, you know, that's big. You don't touch uncles' fishnets, (laughs) you know. And... People letting us use their Hawaiian weapons. I mean, it, there was so much coming out. There was so much love and aloha and desire to see these stories, their stories, our stories come to life and just surrounding yourself with people who, who have that same kind of vision, who have that, the same kind of aloha. You know, I love supporting other people. So when Andrew asked me to do this podcast, of course
3: I said yes. <laughs>
2: But that's what it's about and sometimes it takes getting not getting rid of negative people in your life mm-hmm. but maybe mm-hmm. sometimes just um, muting them mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and i think when you have a positive bias about what your day is going to be like or who the people are that you're going to meet you attract more of it when you're thinking like today I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to meet awesome people. And, you know, we went to the Mana Up showcase and I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know who I was going to meet. I didn't know I would meet Andrew, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I was ready to meet awesome people. And that's what I did. If I went with this attitude that, like, it's going to be boring or Mm -hmm. people are going to be thinking something about me or, you know, that kind of negative, that that's really what you see because that's what you're looking for. When you're like, I can't wait to see what all these awesome Hawaiians are working (laughs) on.
0: That's all you find all night long. So (laughs) That's so true. Your energy really, like, attracts the same energy Mm -hmm. all the time. We were talking about um,
2: Robert Kiyosaki's Cash Flow yeah. Quadrant. <laughs> He's <so> awesome. <laughs> you know that that book was the first book that really changed my perspective about how I looked at money, mm-hmm. how I looked at myself, and my own finances. And so I have so much appreciation to him for writing that book.
1: Especially being from Hawaii too. Is like, being from yeah.
2: Hawaii, yeah, exactly. And so mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking about it one time. Uh, I think this was actually just a couple months ago about the cash flow quadrant, has the employee quadrant, um, self-employed, business owner, and investor quadrants. And I was thinking about where are we right now as a people mm-hmm. in that quadrant, you know? Who are the employees? Who Who is self-employed? Are there any business owners? Are there investors? And we realized that the majority of us as Hawaiians are in that employee quadrant right i mean i was a teacher reunion long time and so then i started thinking about traditionally where were we as a people in that quadrant you know we definitely weren't employees there was not someone paying for us and caring for us and we did labor for them Mm. you know we were self-employed we took care of our finances, we took care of our food, we took care of our family, we took care of the things that we needed. We acquired the skills we needed to survive, and we did all the jobs and tasks that we needed. <clears throat> the employees were thinking maybe it was Kawa that worked for other people. Um business owners, probably a E because they had other people doing jobs and you know, running around the island collecting taxes for them and that kind of thing. And then we are still trying to figure out who the investors are, but looking at it in that sense that all of our kupuna, all of our ancestors were self-employed. Like all of them. So where are we now? We're almost all employees. You know, and how has that affected us? How has that changed mm-hmm. over? Has that taken anything from us? The ownership.
0: Right, like what you're talking about, right? I just give
2: you the responsibility to make sure I have dental and health and a 401k -hmm. and that everything will be taken care of, you know? Um, Because it's scary sometimes to to run your own business. And what if I don't make enough money to pay for my own health bills? What if my kids get sick and I can't afford it, you know? But how, you know, just thinking about how that might have affected us um, as a people going from people who really were totally responsible for themselves had ownership of every aspect of their life to feeling you know a lot of loss of that ownership and control and if that's where our kupuna were Mm -hmm. what's stopping
0: us from getting back there so that's just something to think about i'll let you guys think about that (laughs) can you leave us with something in hawaiian i would think it would be so beautiful (laughs) Depends uh, on what I'm saying.
1: That you've tried to live by, maybe something that's inspired you.
2: Well, oh, I guess a good one for tonight would be Makahana Ka Ike.
1: Oh, good choice.
2: I love that one. <laughs> the knowledge is in the doing. You're not going to get any knowledge, just thinking about it or planning it. Mm-hmm. You're going to get the knowledge... In doing it, you're going to find out if it works, if it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, that's such incredible, important knowledge too. Because then you can try, you know, the next idea or next solution that you have and and keep going that way. But you have to do it. Like, our kukuna, that's what they did. They just did it. That's how they figured out the best way to farm fish. That's how they figured out how to make over 300 varieties of kalo. It's just you know, they were amazing in so many different aspects. Why? Because they did it. Because that's who we are. We're doers. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Amazing. Great episode. Koyu, so we just wanted to thank you again for coming on, taking the time to be with us, and sharing your your knowledge with everybody.
0: If people have on. questions, is there a best way to get in contact with you? Or if they want to participate in an, um, any of your future projects. Where are I? Oh. Mm-hmm. oh, yes. We're always... On the hunt for malo model models. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, you can reach us through our website at www.hiohia.org.
0: H-I-O-H-I-A.org. Send me a message and I'll get back to you. Awesome. We will put that up on our website. You can visit us at www.thepacificcurrent.com on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Mahalo. This is Jennifer Kate.
1: This is Andrew T.